Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand just a little more about how the other side thinks. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Skyway can help you become more prepared, more competitive, and more effective in the government market. To see if you're a fit, visit skywaymember.com. The topic for today is subcontract management. For this one, Kevin sits down with our friend Christy Gilbert. Let's get started. Christy, I want to give it, people who are new to the podcast, give them a feel of you know, what is your superpower in this market in, in government contracting and, and, and where do you, why do you like it so much? Well, I think the one thing I brought to this that, that many contracts people did not have back in the day, although more do now, is you know, I do have a law degree, and contracts is a legal background, so that blended well. I knew nothing about government contracts when I when I went to work for the aerospace. My first company was an aerospace company. I, I didn't I didn't know what the FAR was. <laughs> I I really was green, and uh, but it is contracts. It is you know it, a contract is a contract, and it's got a whole different set of regulations that apply to it. But um, contract law is contract law, and and that was kind of my specialty in law school, although you don't really, uh, it's not like, you know, an undergraduate degree where you have a major, but um, I took a lot of contracts oriented courses. So um, 35 plus years, I've been in aerospace. I've worked for small businesses and large businesses. Um, more recently into the uh, IT services, my last full-time position was um, in a, in a, as a, IT services company, a very large IT services company. So I've been doing this a long time, a very long time. A lot of proposal work, a lot of um, activity and proposals. One of the things that I really enjoy when, whenever we talk, and which led to having you as a, as a guest on the podcast, is a lot of things that you talk about I had no context of. And the last time we talked about task order management was one of those that I knew what happened when you're managing task orders as a CEO, but what was happening on the other side of the fence. So we covered that last time. Well, this time we're going to talk about subcontract management. And for this one, we're going to we're going to niche it down even more to subcontract management on service contracts. But as a contracting officer, I didn't have as much context in, into what subcontract management was and the similarities between that and what I did as a CO. So the best way to help people understand what subcontract management really is and how it works on service contracts and talk to somebody who's done a lot of it. <laughs> so, and that's why we're, we're talking about this. So well, let me start with you. What, what's the, the first thing that you, you wish everybody knew about subcontract management in, in service contracts? Well, I think this is my, my one example of something that a government contracting officer probably has no visibility into. And that is how you fund a task order. And in, this, in the current marketplace where you have multiple subs, especially on these larger task orders, you've got multiple subs working under that task order. If I get a funding mod from the government on a task order that has 10 subcontractors on it, for example, and you're incrementally funding that task order, every single time you give me an increment of funding, I have to issue a funding mod to each subcontractor on that task order. And if these funding mods are coming in every month, every two months, that's every task order funding mod I get has to be turned into 10 funding mods for 10 subcontractors. 
and it, it's a it's a very it, it's not difficult but it's a very time consuming labor intensive activity to do that and for those subcontractors you know they get a funding mod they've got to put it into their system they've got to set up their billing they've got to bill us and then we turn around and bill the government and, and that's a great example of how we can make going back to the, the mission make government contracting better right well there's an example of of do one funding mod or at least have a as a contracting officer have a conversation with your finance team and say can we cut this down to two biannual funding mods instead of four quarterly ones because that we don't realize you know we're at the, we're at the top of the the plinko board right we drop the ball on the top of the blinko plinko board and it goes ding 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 and it's hitting all these things on the way down and the more plinko balls you drop down <laughs> the more things it hits and we're kind of creating i don't want to say it's sideways work and i get it it has to be done because you know, people want to get funding that it's 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 like it's, it's, it's one of those you know costs to do a business but the the concept of of you know the the ripple in the pond is that that's the visual i get is that when i drop the rock in the pond i thought that the bigger wave, the first ripple went to you and that's all I saw. But like all those other waves are hitting all these other subs and it's just it I wonder how much faster we could get government contracts done if we cut that by I don't pick a number, 10%. Particularly to your and, and you had mentioned like how many big um IDIQ contracts there are. That's one of those things that on scale, just awareness of that could save thousands of hours a year of work. So that's that's awesome. Well, what you have to think about is that that all that extra work is being built into the company's overhead costs, and that's part hmm. of what drives you know the cost to the government, and and that's where your you know taxpayer money is going. So it's something. It's not just for the benefit of the contractor; it benefits everybody to try to keep those to a minimum. And I, I know you know people are tight with their money and they're holding back and they want to save it and maybe they might need it here or there. But you got to think about the inefficiency that you're creating by by only incrementally funding, especially if you're funding a month at a time. Yeah, I was just going to ask what's what's the what's the norm that you've seen? Is it is it a month at a time in most cases? In most cases, no. But it you know on a year long contract, it's very often quarterly. I, I you know very rarely did you get enough money. Um, on a services contract up front to pay for, unless it was a really small task, to pay for like the whole year or even half a year. So the more often you fund, the, the more cost you're you're driving, you know, the money that could be spent on doing actual work. Yeah, yeah I, like, I like that. Money that could be spent on doing actual work. It's interesting. I used to have these debates with my uh, with my finance team. Not my, with the finance team for for um, for my agency, and it was mostly because it created more work for me. I'd have to do like you know four mods, and I had to. It created drag on our program because everybody's kind of waiting to say, oh, "How much money are we going to get? When, when are we going to get it?" You know, and so it the conversations of meetings that we had around when the money was going to be obligated was problem number one. But on top of that, y your point of it's it's not creating you know real work, like it's not generating another FTE to do a service for a customer. And so that's an interesting perspective that again, I you don't see that. You know, when you're when you're at the contract level and you're you're not seeing you're you're talking to your customer on the government side, you're not seeing the impact of this. So that that's a really good one. And that flows down as well because you know, every every time I do it to a subcontractor, they're spending time and it's being built into their overhead. So it flows up from the bottom. 
So what's the, so what's the second thing about subcontract management on service contracts that you really think that people should know from from having done this for so long? The biggest challenge is always timely billing, and uh, you know, you're, especially when you're dealing with small small subs, they they need to they want to get paid quickly, so you hope that they'll bill fast. And I need to know what their costs are in order for me to to do my limitation of funds and know how much I need to tell the government I need. And the government wants, if the billings are lagging, the government thinks you're not spending the money. Well, you really, you are, but you just don't have all your bills in yet. So um, timely billing, especially if you've got multiple tiers of subs, timely billing is very critical to being able to manage your cost and on, on this part of the contractor and on the part of the government. Okay. I really like this one. Because what we just talked about a minute ago is how the government on our side is pushing something through that's causing work for everybody else. But at the same time, what you just described is the the lower tier subcontractors, by not pushing their data back up in a timely manner or correctly or, or whatever, it's creating its own bottleneck. So that explains as a contracting officer, when I would get that limitation of funds letter you know, late or like at midnight the night before, that's why they're stressing over it. Because they're trying to, and again, I didn't, I had no context to that. Is the fact that you're having to collect all these, all these costs and get all this billing done and, and get it all, take this giant pile of 47 subcontractors and compress that into one task order amount for the subcontract and say, okay, the number is X, and I just see the X. I just want the X. <laughs> it's like just tell me the X. So I know if we're overfunding or not. And so if you're a subcontractor, this is, I would say, this is a selling point for you. Is I mean, does that make sense? If you're trying to convince a prime contractor, a large business, to team with you. Your ability to make sure that you can get the billing to them quickly and correctly, and in other words, you can manage your finances and track your track your your uh, your all of your expenditures, et cetera, and send them you know, correct billing quickly. It makes their life easier. And it absolutely does. It absolutely does. And so, yeah, and, and that's again, I was totally oblivious to that, but I know a lot of listeners are subcontractors, and you want to make friends. This is one of the ways to make friends, and particularly since I didn't realize it, but it it impacts that prime contractor's ability to answer my questions, which then, of course, impacts my ability to answer you know the people that I work for. Of, you know what's going on with the funding? Why is this not obligated yet? You know, why is this not spent? Whatever. It's interesting that the first example was government's behavior drawing problems one way, and now we're talking about industry's behavior drawing problems the other way. So I, I think we got a nice. 360, 360 degree perspective on this particular one. So and where you have a stable of subcontractors that can do the same work as a contractor, you're trying to, you know, divvy up the work and get it out to, to the, your various subs. You're going to lean towards those subs who are more responsive, who can bill accurately and bill, bill quickly and turn around mods quickly. So uh, as a subcontractor, you want to demonstrate to your contractor that you can do that. And that'll gain you more work. So, as a subcontract manager, is there a, is there an example of a success story that you know when you're when you're managing those subs, is there something you can that you do or you have done that made them kind of flow better, that made them more successful? I mean, is there is there any advice you have for subcontract managers to to better manage the subs that they have? On the largest IDIQ that I ever had, and where we had hundred plus task orders at any one time. What we found is the easiest way for us to fund the subs based on incremental funding was to just do it as a percentage. So if we got 20% of the of the estimated cost for that task, we'd load down 20% to each subcontractor. 
of their of their estimated cost. And from a cash flow perspective, as being one of the subcontractors, that's to to know you have when when the government does X, you're going to get Y. It, you know, that just knowing that there's a plan behind it. It's a step in the right direction because some of the feedback I get from subs is you know, this whole idea of you know, the prime gets paid and then who knows what I'll get. Actually, I actually heard somebody say that and I'm thinking, well, that's a really crappy relationship to have. But what you're describing is like you, you're going to know generally this this is what we're going to give you. But I mean, it's, there's a framework, there's a plan around it. And so that's that's a really good advice. What did you see? What do you see as a really big opportunity or for that matter, a really big challenge in the subcontract management of these service contracts? From the contractor perspective, it's a fine line between over-managing and under-managing your subcontractors. You want to learn your subcontractors. You want to know what they can do and how quickly they can do it and how well they can do it. Performance is as much on them as it is on you, and it's going to reflect in your CPARs and your performance ratings and your ability to win new contracts. So the subcontract content is getting bigger and bigger and more and more focused on small subcontracts, uh, small businesses. So you need to have, you're going to have many subcontractors and it's very important to manage them well, but to give them the ability to perform. One of the things that I've realized is that the government to contractor relationship, it, it, it's its own animal. It's, you know, it's, it's what we all live with as CEOs, et cetera. But the prime to sub relationship it's it's much more relationship driven i mean it's got its own government clauses in it and stuff but it's not as as stringent as it, it seems to be and you know I'm, I'm looking you know maybe i'm crazy but it seems to be not as stringent as the government relationship and because of that you have to take good care of them to keep good ones and likewise you and as a sub you have to you know, perform well but i think one of the things that and is this making sense yeah yeah and it's team I and mean, it's teamwork because your performance and their performance is tied together and it's important to work as a team. So you don't always feel like you're, as a contractor, maybe a team with the government in the same way because you don't have the same set of responsibilities. Yeah, or, or the same set of rules. <laughs> that's, that's another. No. Yeah, it's interesting. That part of being able to find the right teaming partners is huge. And again, I didn't see this as a contracting officer. I just assumed that you know they all they all had find some they had some place to find each other, right? I'll give a plug out to uh, Tom Skypeck and uh, GovBiz Connect is he's he's attempting to solve this problem on scale. You know, ours is much more niche to our 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 community of of companies. But he's this is this is it's a free website he has that, that deals with this problem, but uh, or attempts to solve this problem of finding you know good teaming partners. But you're right the 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 risk of doing it wrong, whether you're managing them or being managed, or, or I like how you said that, overmanage or undermanage. It's like you, if you just micromanage anybody, they're going to give you the minimum. And I think from a from a teaming perspective of how to subcontract manage well is you, you got to have a relationship that you can give them some margin, you know, give them some space <laughs> to be able to just you know figure it out and do it right. Well, and again, this is a huge topic we could talk about all day. So to, to wrap us up, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you with uh, more questions or, you know, to kind of, you know, continue the conversation if they're looking for, for, for specific information on, on subcontract management? Well, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, but admittedly, it, I'm not as adept at it as I wish I as I wish I were, but I'm learning. So I am on LinkedIn as Christy Gilbert, C H R I S T I G I L B E R T, and my uh, Skyway email is Christy.Gilbert at SkywayAcquisition.com, 
I'm probably a little bit quicker to respond on email than I am on LinkedIn, but I'm working on it. And you're 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 definitely more you're definitely quicker to respond to email than I am because <laughs> <I'm>, email is <laughs> my weakness. And so yeah, so uh, I say you know thanks for your time today, and it's always great to talk to you. And and from from Key West, you're you're in Key West. I'm up here in in, in St. Petersburg, and it's just it's it's a it's a great example of you know, podcasting technology is <laughs> so we get to record these yeah. from you know 400 miles across the Gulf. That's so, right. Thanks, Christy, and I will see you on the next one. All right, thank you, Kevin. Have a good day. You too. Okay, that's it for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. You can connect with us at the Contracting Officer Podcast Network Group on LinkedIn and the Government Contracting Network Group on Facebook. If you'd like more of the content, training, or support services that we share on the podcast, visit skywaymember.com. And remember, our topics are listener-driven, so send me an email with your ideas to paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.